If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. It was intense part of it, but we didn't have enough snacks at one part. I wanted to stop for lunch, and we decided that if Eva gets hangry, that I no longer think I'm not good at reading the map when I'm hungry. (laughs) Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today, my guest is Eva Reimer. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, mostly edge-to-edge quilting. If you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil, needle and thread attached at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel and Facebook page. These are on the first and third Friday of every month. They're streamed live and in real time. Even the thread breaks and oopses are there. I just welcome you into my studio to watch as I work through a project and chat about the processes and decisions as I go. Plus, they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about the project while I'm working on it. So once again, those air the first and third Friday of each month. Just look for Stitched by Susan on YouTube or Facebook to find the upcoming or the past events. I'll let you in on a little secret. I don't like shopping. Especially, I don't like shopping for clothes. It feels incredibly time-consuming, and there's a million other things I'd rather be doing. So I've found a solution at Stitch Fix. It's an online apparel shopping service, and it's entirely personalized. I set up my account with delivery frequency, a price point that's comfortable for me, my size and taste, and even have the option of adding jewelry, bags, shoes, or other accessories. I've had the same designer for a couple of years, and she's got me dialed in. If you'd like to give Stitch Fix a try, they're offering $25 off your first order. Just use the link provided in the show notes and have fun shopping their enormous collection. All right, on to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. If there's any particular skill or technique in the project that you're working on, so in quilting terms, is it, you know, getting seams to lay flat or is it accurate cutting or is it, you know, pressing problems? Whatever that thing is that's tripping you up a bit or feeling difficult, find a way to master that skill. So we have what I like to call YouTube University at our fingertips. I recommend starting by Googling the technique that you're looking for. Let's say flat seams and see what comes up. And undoubtedly, you'll get lots and lots of suggestions. From there, check out a couple of different videos, different teachers, and find a teacher that you relate well with, that you can kind of understand, that explains things in a way that makes sense to you. 
If you want to go one step further, start following that teacher or two or three that you find that way. Maybe sign up for their newsletter, sign up for their YouTube subscription, and just immerse yourself a little bit in the skills that they have to offer. And I think you'll find that will really help to elevate your skill set as well. You know I love my coffee. In fact, I've got a fresh pot brewing right now. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one-time contribution or sign up for a monthly one if you so desire. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. My friend Eva Reimer is with me today, and we're going to be chatting about shop hops and row-by-row quilts. Now, both of these are things that I've never done or experienced, so I'm really looking forward to chatting with Eva and learning more about them. Hey, Eva, and welcome to the podcast. Hi. Today, well, in, in Spokane, Washington, where we live, our quilt show is coming up fairly shortly, and we've just finished the deadline for entering quilts. So I thought it would be fun to talk about quilt shows, the different kinds there are, and just all kinds of details about them, all the details we can think of. What do you think? I think it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so who enters quilts and quilt shows and why? I feel like you have different layers of it. Sometimes I tend to be, I make them and I give them away. So I never have them by the time the quilt show comes around. Ah, yes. And um, and then there's the people that enter every category. There's the people that are like designing a show-stopping quilt to get best of show. There's original designs, there's challenges, different challenges, like they have an right. art quilt show. Right, so so one whole category, for example, will be all people um, quilting the same type of project, and that's one specific mm-hmm. challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I tend to, I don't know, I don't get into it as much. I have done it a few times, but I haven't done it a lot. And then there's national shows and... Versus, you know, local, local ones. Yep, yep. So all kinds of levels. There's there's county fairs and things like that as yeah. well. So there's all kinds of levels. A number of years back, a quilter said to me, I think I was kind of questioning, you know, is it worth sending quilts to shows or do I have anything good yeah. enough to send? For sure was one of my questions. And she said, you know, unless people enter quilts, there's nothing to see. So enter your quilt, whether or not you particularly think it's ribbon worthy. For one thing, you don't really know. Yeah. But for another people are coming to see quilts give them something to look at and I thought that was actually good advice so I've that was pretty early in my quilting Mm -hmm. journey and I've taken her advice and I've entered something somewhere every year and often it's not a um, ribbon worthy quilt I certainly am not one that strives for you know the big um, the big entries across the country I don't I don't aspire to that sort of level but I agree with her viewpoint that people come to fair, county fairs, yeah. to, you know, local quilt shows because they want to see the artistry, see what people are making. And so it's it's worthy of showing a quilt no matter what it is. You're right, though, that we, we both work and volunteer at our local um, quilt show. And it's a fairly large one. We usually have, I don't know, five to six hundred quilts at the annual show. And we see a little bit of all kinds there, right? So the kind of different types of people you were talking about, maybe elaborate on that a little bit. Okay, so we have this one friend, we won't mention her name, (laughs) 
But she keeps the book from the previous year. And she is just a planner. So she goes through the book and all the different categories. And she thinks of all the things she can make. So she can enter at least one thing in every single category almost. That is serious planning ahead. And see, I'm way more haphazard than that. I get to, you know, a week or two before the entry deadline and I'm like scrambling. What have I made this year? What have I still got here? Because I'm like you, a lot of them have been given away. What could I enter? And that's how I approach it. So there's different ways. Yeah. And I've made, I made some really, I made a wedding quilt for my son, which was an amazing quilt, but I gave it away. He got married in July and I just always feel uncomfortable asking for it it back. (laughs) (laughs) And then I made a quilt for my sister-in-law and I was not, I liked the quilt, but it really came to life when I quilted it. And that would have been one I really would have wanted to enter, but she lives on the East Coast, so I gave her the quilt at the wedding. And Mm -hmm. so that quilt I wish I would have held on to, but... And that's a bit harder because they're further away. Yeah. I'll let you all in on a little secret. I'm not quite as nice as Eva. I made a quilt for our daughter and her husband when they got married a couple years back, and I did go get it back so I could enter (laughs) it in the quilt show. Yeah, I think... I think I need to be more intentional about doing that because I see your point of view of if nobody enters anything, then there's no quilts to go to look at. And I do enjoy going and looking at different different techniques. Um, I like it sometimes when there's several quilts that are similar patterns, but they have a whole different take on it where mm-hmm. the artistry comes into it, whether it's color or the technique that they've used or or they just have gone way out of the box where I would have never thought of going. I, and I totally agree with, with you. That's one of the reasons I enjoy looking at challenge type categories. So you and I are both machine quilters and we're both active in our local uh, machine quilting guild. And there's always a challenge for our members where everybody is quilting the same thing. So it's often small, like a perhaps a table runner. So everyone will have the same fabrics, the same pattern. And then each does their own take on yeah. quilting. It's it's mind-boggling, honestly, to stand and look at 20 or 25 utterly unique quilting designs on the same piece. Yeah, and I have always kind of, I've usually been in the booth for our local quilt show for that. Because for years I've done the table that kind of was set up by our challenge. And yeah, people just, they ask all these questions like, well, how did you do this? Or how did you approach this? Or why did this person quilt this and this person quilt that? So it is just, it's in the eye of the beholder. So it's maybe not just us machine quilters that look Mm -hmm. at it and are so amazed by the originality, but the viewers at the show see the same thing. They walk through that that particular aisle with that challenge and they're, they're just amazed, really. And with the vintage challenge that our group had done for several years, I mean, people like, that was like their favorite part. Yes. They like to vote and do the people's choice part for that part because they were always fascinated. And we had storyboards and pictures of what they got. And then they get to see the finished quilt and what they've done with it and how they changed the total look of it by quilting or thread or taking yeah. it apart and putting it back together. And yeah, so, many so this, different layers. this is another challenge in our machine quilting guild, and it involves usually vintage, sometimes a whole vintage top, and sometimes each of us get parts of a vintage quilt. That, to me, has been the most fascinating. Um, the last year, you know, pre-pandemic, where we entered, 
the, the part that I had, three other people had. So uh-huh. you got four people that deconstructed that vintage bit, added their own fabric, created their own design, added their own quilting, and got four wildly different looks. And like you say, yeah. we each did a storyboard. So like a kind of a poster board, almost a science experiment type board, right? Mm-hmm. Each person had the before, the during, the after pictures and some of the story. And it's just fascinating to see. And I think what I also learned at that quilt show, um, not all people that come to quilt shows are actual quilters. I think that's so true. And I never realized that until, because I've been involved with it probably the last like eight or so years. It's like I never realized, that never occurred to me that they weren't all quilters. So they would ask all different questions. Um, Spokane School District also brings them in. They bring students in that are interested in I don't even know what class it was. It might Textiles, have been, maybe? Yeah, it might have even been Design. a homeschool thing. Okay. And they bust them all in. And so those kids would have questions that I would never even have thought of. And it was just like, just a different way of approaching it and thinking about it. And just the whole aspect of quilting and everything. It's, I think you're right that people approach it um, almost as an art show. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do. Not necessarily a textile show. Yeah. And come into it with that kind of eye. I don't know if every show does this, but I know at ours, we have a certain number of awards that are people's choice. And so there's there's no criteria in terms of, you know, skill level or completion or detail or level of complexity. There's strictly, does it appeal to the eye of the viewer? And I find that a bit of a fascinating award too, because it's so subjective. Yeah. You know, what have you, are you surprised sometimes by the quilts that win? I am surprised sometimes um, about, because there are quilts, each category is different, and they're usually based like they can't be bigger than this, and they have to So there's sort of size restrictions? Okay. Size technicians. um, Is it a duo? Like, was it piece by one person quilted by a professional or quilted Mm -hmm. by you? There are so many different things in each category at our show, and I feel like, like you said, there's all different levels. There are beginner quilters. There are intermediate quilters there's advanced quilters there are people that put a quilt in that category and they built like a show quilt Mm -hmm. that is perfect in every way and then there's the other person that made a quilt that's in their favorite fabric or their favorite colors and they quilted it to be comfy and cuddly and the other person quilted it to the extreme so you have all those variations in like one category so it's always interesting to see it is. I so agree. Um, I mentioned earlier that you and I have both worked, you know, behind the scenes at um, county fairs and at quilt shows. And do you find it kind of interesting that, like, what are people's expectations? So when people are entering quilts, do you find that they do come into it with expectations? Are they pleasantly surprised when they get a ribbon or are they I think, aggravated when they don't, you know? <laughs> I think when you have a more, like, a bigger show like the WSQ here um, that one tends to be we have a judge section so they can enter it and get it judged and get it evaluated because there are those people that they like the the so then they actually get feedback they right get feedback on the particular they want skills to know what they did well what they need to improve on mm-hmm. there's that category and I feel like you have some of those people at the local fair because I've done a quilt barn two or three years in a row they don't tend to be that way 
they're more, they just kind of want the ribbon. <laughs> like some of the things that I look at a quilt and you look at the overall, they're not looking at it that way. They're just kind of get it done and hang it up and have it there. So there so are different you, expectations. You and I walk, walk up to a quilt and we're like, is the binding put on straight? <laughs> is the quilting tension good? Or if it's hand quilted, like how even are those stitches? Yeah. Where there's a lot of other people, maybe many of the people who just come treating it as an art yeah. show, who are just looking for the overall appeal. Like maybe... Do the colors make me happy? And mm-hmm. it has nothing to do it with the sewing nothing. techniques. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the quilting or the density of the quilting. Or they they don't look at it that way. Is it soft? Is it cuddly? Do the colors appeal to me? Yeah. Do I like the fabric? There's so many different levels of it. And it's very subjective what they want and what they don't want. And that kind of circles back to our original topic, which was everyone should consider entering quilts because every quilt is individual a little bit. So there's different appeals for each I think one. For me, it feeds my creativity sometimes to go and walk through and just see all the different ways. And I love the vendors. That is the other thing I like because, you know, I'm a fabric person. That's true. We hadn't, we hadn't <laughs> even touched on that. And this is kind of the mechanics of a quilt show is that, yeah. you know, it, it needs to be sponsored. It needs to be underwritten. And the way that is done is usually by having a selection of vendors who come and either, you know, have fabrics and tools and notions for sale or machines. Um, and so on the one hand, you get to look at the finished product and ooh and ah over it. And on the other hand, you get to try out things, have demonstrations, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, and, and, and meet lots of new products yeah. in the quilting world. And a lot of time the vendors come from all over because they kind of travel that quilt show kind of like little circuit thing. Mm-hmm. So you get people that you wouldn't normally see. And that's a real that's a real advantage, honestly, because especially if you live in small areas, um, you might get shops that you don't get to see other times of the year. And that's the only time you get to see their wares. Yeah. And um, I mean, and you just never know, like they might take a fabric or something that you've seen before and they're using it in another way that you wouldn't have even thought of. Mm hmm. And just meeting other people, like there's years I've gone back and it's the same vendor year after year and you build relationships with them and see what kind of fabric they have. Or And they pretty techniques. much always have finished products hanging as well. Yeah. So they're not in the quilt show, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but they are still um, a visual, you know, you can see what it will look like, what this line of fabric will look like, mm-hmm. like sewn up or this particular pattern or this kit. And so it gives you a real chance to see things as yeah. they'll be when they're finished. And you also get fabric that you couldn't necessarily get locally. Right. Like um, there's always one vendor that has lots of sports team fabrics. Mm-hmm. So like the licensed types the licensed of fabrics. Yeah. stuff. And you can't always find them around our area. Sometimes you can find them. Sometimes you can't. So you can do that. And for sure... It's an ideal way if you're looking for a sewing machine or you're looking for a quilting machine yes, you can or any stuff. sort of big ticket item, you have an opportunity to try them out and also to even compare Yeah, be- and a chance to question, you know, the, the sellers, the yeah, representatives. Before I bought my long arm, I bought a used long arm. And before I bought it, I went to a quilt show and there's usually several different long arm quilt machines there and you like just go brands. around to each bay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you just try them all out like do you like the sound of it do you not like the sound of it and it's an easy comparison to do and it you don't feel spot. guilty because that's literally what they're there for yeah 
Mm -hmm. So what are some more of the mechanics if you're entering a quilt? Like there's usually a process for entering, right? So you need to contact whoever's hosting the show and find out what that process is. Might be mail-in, might be online. There's pretty much always a deadline. You got to watch for that. I think a lot of, even like my county fair has, it used to be you could just show up on that day and fill out the little ticket and do it. But they're even leaning more towards online. There's not as much of a deadline. They'll let you do it up almost to like the date of it pretty much. Um, But like our show, the bigger shows, there is a deadline. Um, You have to have it in. You need to know the measurements. So sometimes I have entered a couple times and not have my stuff done by the end of the deadline. And I am not really sure what size it's going to be per se. (laughs) Exactly. Because, (laughs) you know, it always changes as you're doing it sometimes. So then you kind of like ballpark it and kind of guess how big it's going to (laughs) be. You're letting you're letting out all our secrets, Eva. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that what this is all about? (laughs) But the truth is, like knowing what the reasoning is behind that, because we've been behind the scenes. The reason for having to specify the dimensions of a quilt is, number one, so that you're getting it in the right category because yes. there often are size restrictions. And then number two, because the the planners of the show are figuring out where to hang things and how they'll fit. And so they have to know how big things are. There's a big difference yeah. between a queen size quilt and a small wall art. So that it's critical. Yeah, it is. When you really think about it, like the county fairs tend to be because I've done that several years, they kind of bring everything and we'll sort them by pile, we sort them by category, and you kind of try to keep stuff together, but you have all different sizes. Mm -hmm. Then as you get to larger shows, they are divided more specifically category by sizes and everything else. And they're planning like, how many are we running down this row on front and back? Are we going to put them on the end caps? So there is total reason. It's planning, it's Mm -hmm. figuring out how much floor space they how much floor space they have right how many racks you need so back to our secret that we were letting out you know a half inch here or there is or even one deal. or two might not matter but 10 inches here or there uh-huh. is going to make a big difference and might make or break you know the quilt hanging plan well and i've seen there's a particular quilt i think of a couple years back they had thought it was going to be a certain size entered it in that way is still fit within the parameters of the category but where the planner had planned to put this quilt they put it on an end cap instead of another spot and so the quilt ended up being folded it was actually simply didn't fit because it didn't fit right it was actually a reversible quilt like it was an amazing quilt it was made as a wedding quilt one side was what the wife liked the other side was more modern what the husband liked and it was reversible But because it ended up, she didn't have the right dimensions because it wasn't done when she entered it (laughs) and she was trying to finish it. It just did not get a prime location and it didn't get. And that's kind of sad. It's potential didn't get a chance to shine. And I feel too, it's important what you put in the description too for the planners. So 
on a lot of the online ones or the bigger shows, they have descriptions. And so you can write like a little note and everything. And they usually have those all like printed up and stuff and they pin it to your quilt. And that can be important how you describe the quilt too, because the planner looks at all those little descriptions also and decides, you know, is it in the right category? Mm -hmm. Did you not put it in the right category? Does it fit better in this category? So there's all those other little things that you might not think about when you're entering it. And if in doubt, I recommend volunteering a couple years and you'll soon see, yeah. you know, some of these details, it seems like we're being kind of sticklers. The, the organizers are kind of hounding you for details. But when you start volunteering and you see how complex the planning uh-huh. is, you start to appreciate that. But I like your point about the notes. I think that that's maybe something we overlook yeah. sometimes when we enter quilts is it's your opportunity to give a little bit of the story of this quilt. Uh-huh. And, you know, like every maker, every quilt usually has a bit of a story and it's your chance to tell it. And it's important to take a few minutes to put a little thought into that and let the viewer know. Because I feel like with that about. one particular quilt I'm talking about that was such an amazing quilt, if they would have had more in the description a little bit and some more other thing and said it was reversible in the description, which I do not think they did, I feel it would have been put in a better location Mm -hmm. it would have been put in the location that you could have seen it was reversible and it probably would have done much better than what it did in that I think you're absolutely right reversible quilts are not that common but I have seen a couple of them Mm -hmm. and they they kind of take extra planning right because you need to hang them differently at our show anyways yeah Um, our quilts hang on sheets so you know the quilt is on the front side and you only see one side of it but if you want to show something reversible you've got to have a different way thought through Mm -hmm. of how to hang it and actually that is an interesting point Eva is different shows hang their quilts in different ways and that might be something that if you're considering entering quilts that you look into you know there are people who object to um, having quilts hung with pins, for example, which yeah. is how ours are done. So then you want to look for shows that have maybe sleeves on the back of the yeah. quilt or other types of hangers that pinch at the top and yeah. clamp them. There's different ways of doing it. And most shows, when you read about them, will disclose yeah. what their way is of, of hanging Yeah, them. and I know like at the, there's two local um, shows out where I am kind of, and they have these wooden racks and then they use the big binder clips or the big mm-hmm. clamping things. So at those kind of shows, you can show a reversible quilt because they can plan it out. If they know it's reversible, they just don't put a quilt on the back side of it. Right, exactly. And so it just depends on the show. And mm-hmm. I know you've done more national shows, and then they're more sleeve, aren't they? The ones that I've been in have, but they vary from show to show as well. So it's just important to read up on that a little bit. One other thing that we didn't touch on was the the actual process of dropping off and picking up quilts. And it falls kind of yeah. under the heading of deadlines. There's always a deadline for the entrant, you know, uh-huh. entering the quilt or re- uh, recording it. Is that what I want to say? Um, usually, like they have drop off points. I know with our bigger one, you can usually drop off at a local quilt store. I find drop off way easier than pick up. I don't know if you've ever... I don't Pick know. Pickup is usually faster. The whole yes. thing is coming down in a matter of hours and it boom, boom, boom. You got to yeah. get it done. I mean, they have it. It's amazing how they have it all staged and they've figured the ins and out. But to me, like 
because I've been on that thing where people are coming, picking up their quilt. By the hundreds. Yeah, and you <laughs> see like all the garbage bags full of quilt and people are coming in and you know they're supposed to give okay, you your ticket. Okay, they're not garbage bags. They're clear bags, Clear Eva, bags. so you can see Sorry. and admire. <laughs> clear bags. But to me, I just feel, to me, it's like I know that's someone's treasure. So like when people are just coming in and they come in, you know, every quilt show does it differently. Usually yeah. they have a table so people cannot get back to that because you want to get the treasures back to who they belong so to. So the public can't access yeah. it. Yeah, you're right. And there's always some form of um, security. So like mm-hmm. you, you'll be given a label, for example, yeah. and half the label goes on your quilt in its clear bag and the other <laughs> half of the label goes home with you. And then you have yeah. to you have to present that label, yeah, kind of like a claim ticket. It. And if mm-hmm. anyone else picks up for you, they have to have that claim ticket or they can't get it back. Whereas I feel drop off, I feel is um, usually you can drop off at local quilt stores. So I feel that doesn't it just feels safer to me. You know, you're dropping it off at your local quilt store. You probably know your person. They have your little thing when you registered it online and you drop off. And that one just seems calmer to me. The other yeah, one seems right. more scary. <laughs> but it's just another way in which, you know, it pays to really read the fine print. I think most most quilt shows these days are, most of the larger ones are online. And if it's your local fair, then they'll have some kind of pamphlet of information. Mm-hmm. It's really important that you read some of that fine print because that will give you all the details about drop-off, pickup, okay. etc. And because these are treasures and you've put a lot of hours into them, yeah. you really want to know how to handle those things. Well, I tell you what, Eva, I am looking forward to our quilt show this year in our city, Spokane. We have not had one for two years, so we've missed two. So it'll be three, you know, since the last one. So we are all looking forward to it. What's the thing you're looking forward to most at the quilt show? Um, I don't know. There's so, there's so much of it that I like. I like always, you know, there are people that I only see at quilt show. True. So there's a couple people that I look forward to seeing, just seeing the new fabric that's out seeing if vendors will come back, seeing how many quilts will be in it. You know, there's lots of different layers after the pandemic. I agree. Well, I'm so looking forward to it. So I will catch up to you there. See you at the quilt show. Thanks so much, my friend, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this visit as much as Eva and I did. I recently chatted to several quilters who've never listened to a podcast. Seriously, they don't know what they're missing. So would you take a moment to share Measure Twice, Cut Once with them? You can share the link to any one episode or they can visit my website, podcast.stitchedbysusan.com. And from there, choose an app to listen on. In just a few seconds, a whole new world of podcasts will open up. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.